You are listening to the In Her Eyes podcast. I am your host, Lynn Niehaus, episode 67. Hello, hello, my lovely friend, and welcome to the In Her Eyes podcast. I am your host, Lynn Niehaus, interior designer, artist, mama, scientist, color specialist, and space coach, here to help you navigate the beautiful messiness of raising strong, thriving daughters while you discover the path to a home that inspires you. You will learn to design gorgeous, peaceful spaces inside and out that you can be proud of and love coming home to. Each week, we will explore how individuality and practicality create the harmony our souls crave. Let's dive in, my dear, to all of our beautiful stuff. we're going to be talking about how to work through our emotions in maybe a, a little bit of a new way and taking that journey with our eyes wide open and how to look around us for clues and then also how to bring in the emotional support we need to make the transitions that we desire to make. And those, those transitions, those transformations can be within our physical space. They can also be within ourselves. And it's my personal belief that those two things go hand in hand. And using the clues that we see around us or using our emotions as clues and then looking out into our landscape, um, whether that be you know a single room or a relationship whatever that physical thing is, when we look out into it, how do those two things intersect and what might we not be seeing? So a lot of this podcast has come out of the conversations that we've been having over the past couple of weeks out of the alignment challenge conversations about letting go, um, letting go of stuff, letting go of resentments. And I know we've covered that in detail, but something happened to me just a few nights ago. We had had company over and it was our first time having company that wasn't our children. Um, like making somebody dinner, like really having like a true dinner, you know, having friends over for dinner in this new house. And I drank a little bit too much um, because I was just sort of in that happy, excited place. And my husband doesn't really drink. So having people there um, made me drink a little bit more than I'm normally used to because I don't typically, especially on a weekday, don't drink a lot. Um, so what happened was I fell asleep on the couch, woke up, went to bed, slept really soundly for a few hours, and then woke up pretty much wide awake. And I have a few processes for getting myself back to sleep that usually work really well. And I didn't, they weren't working. And so I'm going to share with you about 
uh, share with you what those are. Um, I You might have heard them before, but they are really powerful. And the fact that they weren't working is what gave me the clues to what I'm going to share with you right now. So one of the first ways that I get myself back to sleep when I wake up and if you know you're in your mid-50s like me and you're like moved through um, those hormonal changes uh, this is a really common issue for for women like moving through menopause so the first thing I do is breath and sometimes this only takes two or three breaths and I'm out like a light or it shifts me into the next thing I'm going to share with you. So what I do is I do an in-breath of four counts, four good long counts. So one, two, three, four. I hold for two counts. And then I exhale for seven counts, seven slow long counts like that. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and hold for two at the bottom. This is a really relaxing breath pattern. If you're ever in any situation where you want to move your nervous system back into that relaxed state, um, this is a very good breath pattern. It's, a, it's a, like a great tool to have in your, in your toolkit. So I did that a couple times and then I realized I was breathing very shallow again. And the next thing that I do is, it is a practice I've been trying to do a lot more lately that is in alignment with what I'm trying to create for 2023. And that's bringing more gratitude into every moment of my life. So the next thing I do is I wash myself in gratitude. I start to imagine all the things, whether it's the way the sheets feel against my skin or my husband's breath pattern next to me or the beautiful pillows that I've taken off the bed that I know are right there beside me, the things that I can connect to most mentally and easily. And imagine it almost like a waterfall and letting it start. And then as it grows across me, I just add more and more things to be grateful for. It can be my own breath. It can be my heartbeat. It can be the scent of the lavender diffusing in the the um, humidifier next to me. So all of things around me and I let them start to build on each other until I'm, I'm just experiencing the gratitude instead of the thoughts about the things I'm grateful for. And I let it, I just imagine it moving along my skin and penetrating my my skin and going into my nervous system and sort of, you know, just allowing gratitude as an emotion to wrap around, you know, getting into the, the spaces between my nerves. I try to make it visual enough that all those other little to-do list thoughts that that tend to happen or those busy mind thoughts or, you know, how you start thinking about something that's 
completely off the wall and irrelevant or something um, where, you know, you're experiencing anxiety about something that might be happening the next day, I try to let gratitude just wash that out. And I'd called up my, my mental gratitude wash. And that's usually something that, again, it, it gets me into that next place. And then, you know, if I've fallen out of my breathing pattern, I can get back into that breathing pattern. And I, yet usually that will help me just drift right back off to sleep. And if that doesn't work, then I actively go into a more meditative mental state uh, because they've shown that 10 minutes of meditation is equivalent in your brain to almost two hours of sleep in terms of its ability to regenerate. And so then I'll just go into a meditative state and, and a lot of times I can I can get into a really deep, 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 powerful meditative state, um, some of my best meditation. And so I don't, you know, have all those feelings of, of dread waking up because I didn't get enough sleep and how am I going to manage my day and how am I going to, you know, go through all this. I try to make it, you know... Uh, I've convinced myself that I can still make use of this time by going into like a deep and powerful meditation. So I went through those processes and and by the time I got to the meditation, I was really struggling to get into a meditative state that I usually drop into easily. And it made me realize that I've been sort of shirking on my on my meditation routine lately. I've been taking it for granted. And I, even though I've done things to set myself up for success in terms of, you know, my meditation stool is right by my bed. I've still been meditating. I've been not been getting out of bed to meditate. I've been staying in bed, which means sometimes I fall back asleep. And, or sometimes before I start meditating, I do something that I don't like that I do, which is I'll check the, you know, I'll check the news and I might read a news story. And I know that that sets me in a mood for the day that I don't want to be in, but I kind of cave into those, um, that sort of power, you know, that, that little talk that's in my head that's like, oh, this, you know, you just want to read this one story and then you'll be fine. Then you'll meditate. Everything will be all good. So I started down that path of reprimanding myself for not having been doing the things that I know set me up for success. And I started thinking about my word of the year being prosper, the things that I need to be doing in my business or, or I feel, you know, in the middle of the night you need to do. And I started to see those things snowball. And somehow I went from those sort of snowballing thoughts to thinking about, how I was spending my money and what I was going to be doing to to be more accountable to myself and my spending habits. And 
all of a sudden, just kind of out of the blue, I dropped into this place of seeing myself standing in what I'm going to describe as a barren wasteland, all alone, by myself. Visually, I looked scared and small and dirty. I am the kind of person that hates dystopian movies. Like, I hate those movies with the... um, where everything is filmed in browns and grays and drab tones and the people are dressed very drab and, and there's this sense of hopelessness. And that's what I connected with in that moment. I, at some point in the process, I had asked myself, what if I wiped away all of the things, all of the things I feel I need to buy, all of the things I feel like I need to do to my house, all of the things I feel like I need to be doing within my business, for my clients, for my friends, for my family? What if I wiped those away? And suddenly I saw myself in the middle of this barren wasteland. And it was scary. It was it, it was an image that um, still sits with me as, as I record this, even though this was several nights ago. And so my first response was to, is to brush over it you know, to sort of bring in some spiritual bypassing, you know, call in my guardian angels and say, take me out of here. I don't want to be here. But I started to ask myself, what does this mean? And how did I get here? And what do I need to know in order to take this information from this place into my life? to heal it, to change it, to move it in the direction of my dreams, of what I'm seeing for what I want to create for myself and my family. And as I asked myself that question, I saw a powerful light. And it hit me. If you're standing in this empty, wide open space, and light shines up from within and shines up moving out. There's nothing to obstruct the light. The light can shine for miles and miles and miles without the interference of all these other things. So then I started to ask myself, what is the inter... So these things that I'm bringing in, they must be interference, They must be the things that I'm bringing in intentionally to block myself from shining the light. And as I began to just see that scrawny, dirty version of me standing in the middle of this barren wasteland and light shining up through and completely taking over until I was no longer visible within the wasteland and all it was was light, I saw the image of a tiny flower that was coming up out of nowhere and being all by itself. And it occurred to me that no matter where you were and how far away you were, 
what you would see if you were to look at this, you know, from afar, as, you know, at this point, the light is gone. There's nothing left but this still kind of scrawny, scary flower that's fighting for life in the middle of this barren wasteland. You would see that flower and you would just see how magnificent it was that the flower could bloom from this space. And so I asked myself, what if you are that flower? What if you became that flower? What if you became the energetics of that flower? And my first thought was, well, someone would pick me. Someone would pick me and take me away. And that was a really, really powerful thought. And it made me finally realize one of the ways that I've been dedicating myself to my business. It isn't the flower that is powerful. It's the roots. It's what is taking from almost nothing and becoming something. That the energy of what you see above the surface is the power of that energy is below the surface and it's unseen and it's unstoppable. And that really hit me because no matter what anyone takes or anyone does, still below the surface lies that power. And that power is our source. It is our energy source that we can derive from. And that's when I remembered a story that I had been reading about what happens in the plant world, in the forest, on the physical land of the earth, when there's been a disruption of the ecosystem, whether it's a natural disaster, like a fire, you know, a forest fire or a hurricane that comes through and just decimates the, the flora of the land, um, or if it's, you know, deforestation, the species that come back first the ones that are the most evolutionarily resilient are the ones that are the most chaotic and the most um, wild roses is, is a great example of one of the things that happens in um, right after a forest fire, these wild roses pop up. Um, and if you're in the U.S., the stories of the sequoias, how they um, the they don't reproduce themselves unless it's fire that, that breaks open their seed pods so a new tree can germinate. And the as, you know, a gardener or somebody who's trying to cultivate the land, these things are seen as as 
tremendous nuisances. Um, raspberry bushes are another thing. You know, these things are usually covered with thorns. They're hard to pull out. They're hard to get go of, but they have really complex and intricate root systems that grab hold of the earth. And so even if you pull them out, they little parts break off and they regenerate themselves. Um, thistle is Canadian thistle is another example where it only takes one seed and it can take over your entire garden if you don't have other things planted in there because it does become so powerfully invasive. And when you look at it from the standpoint of what Nate, what the earth does as her beautiful survival mechanism, what those things can do is they can turn barren, nutrient-poor soil into something that becomes quite nutrient-dense. Dandelions are another beautiful example that if you've ever cleared out an area to try and you know because you want to replant it and you leave it for a few weeks you can guarantee there's going to be dandelions that pop up in there dandelions do like so many of these other things they do such a good job of breaking the soil apart and making it viable for other things the things that we actually have a deep desire to grow. All of these things turn poor soil into cultivatable soil and restore the growth potential of what was there. So that made me think about chaos. And as all these thoughts were going through my head, I had originally targeted this week's podcast to be sort of a beginner's meditation guide and because of some of my personal like what I'm looking at to get back into my really strong habit of meditation my ability to just drop right in and to find clarity and peace and answers and feeling disconnected from that the thing that kept playing out in the in my life as I tried to figure out like how like why is this this chaos, this clutter, this this peace coming up, it seems to be coming up in all of my conversations. Everywhere I look, there's this constant theme of clutter and this inability to connect and I've been feeling myself very disconnected from what I'm trying to create there's a part of me where there I see you know this vision that's very clear and and I feel like I can move forward but then there's also this been this this energy of resistance and so I've been trying to step into that energy and ask it what it is what it's there and what keeps coming up is chaos So two things happened that ended up being the result of this podcast that I hope can really help bring you some of the clarity that I found in these two things. If 
you only listen to the podcast and never actually head over to the webpage and visit that, visit the show notes of the webpage, you might not realize, because I very often forget to mention it, that almost every episode, I have a companion essential oil to support you in the message of the podcast. No matter what it, no matter what the the conversation is, I have an oil that I find useful in this process. So this week, when I, after having this experience of this barren wasteland and doing a lot of journaling on it and discovery process of how I can use this information going forward in my own life, my essential oil mentor, Roxanne Fora, she's been on the podcast before. She started doing a series of each individual oil. um, Each night she goes through each oil and all of its physical and emotional properties because each oil has properties that are the chemical properties that you see the results of either in your body or in your environment. And then there's also the emotional properties. There's the parts of your body that it works on to shift or change what you're feeling. And each oil, um, there's this beautiful, beautiful book that I use as a reference guide. And I'm actually going to read from it today. It's called Emotions and Essential Oils. And it just so happened that the day following this barren wasteland feeling that I woke up with or vision that I woke up with, she was talking about Arborvitae. Now, I have Arborvitae, the oil, the essential oil Arborvitae, because um, my husband has recurrent athlete's foot. And this is really good for his athlete's foot. And I had never, I really liked the smell of it, uh, but I had never used it for anything other than that. I knew that it was a powerful cleansing agent and it had the ability to, you know, clean your surfaces. But I have other things that I, you know, you have oregano for my antibacterial. I have all these other things that I was already using. So I didn't see a need to use it for anything other than that. What I didn't know is Arborvitae is the oil of divine grace. And when I went back to that feeling of loneliness, of lostness, of hopelessness that I experienced as I allowed the emotions to move through me in that vision of the barren wasteland, what I was missing, what I was frustrated that I couldn't connect to was the divine grace. So you can bet that I broke out my Arborvitae and I'm going to share with you a little bit more about that. I was diffusing it. I was rubbing it on my solar plexus because um, Arborvitae is one of those rare oils. It's not rare in the in the um, 
in the sense of expensive like cost it's actually a fairly affordable oil um it's it's one of those oils that has a grounding present to connect you to the divine so if you think of the chakra system basically we're working all the way up and rubbing it on your solar plexus as the the midpoint of that connection to create that grounding effect um, has a beautifully calming feeling. Um, so, so that's what I did. So I've been diffusing it in my office. I've been diffusing it in the kitchen um, and then rubbing it on my body. Arborvitae is a tree that is native to Canada. Native Americans for is deep, deep, deep into any, you know, past history up until times present, use Arborvitae as a powerful healing agent. They use it in, um, they use the Arborvitae wood in carving their totem poles. There's so many, so many different parts of their culture and heritage where Arborvitae plays such a significant role role in it's it's almost like indispensable and such an integrated part of of all of those things and it made so much sense to me when I started to think about this as the arborvitae is a very long-lived tree a tree can live up to 800 years and that connection to wisdom and and to the earth and the the wisdom of the earth it started to make so much sense to me so I took a moment and started thinking of it in terms of its cleansing effects about how when we at least I know when I get into those when I feel like overwhelmed in my house or I feel like I can't focus on something my default is to start cleaning and try to clear out space, you know, whether I'm clearing out clutter, clearing out mental clutter, or just making a surface feel like I can, um, you know, cook dinner on or, or like whatever I'm, I'm needing to do. Cleaning is my first response. And the fact that this is, this is its description. Arborvitae is a grounding oil that teaches us divinity is all around. God's grace can be felt and experienced here on earth. It's not distant or separate. And as soon as I read that, I knew that it was indeed exactly what I needed. If deep at the core of where I was experiencing, experiencing resistance and not being able to go forward was my frustration and my ability to connect on a deeper level, I knew that this was the key to the path forward. So then I did something just before recording this episode, because even as I wrote my notes and knew the message that I was going to be communicating today, there was still something missing. It was almost as if I could feel a void somewhere, and I didn't want to just drop something into the place to connect these things because I knew that I had found the path that I was 
I'd found a piece to the path that I was looking for, but there was still something missing. And what it felt like was this this instigation of chaos with things still feeling up in the air, feeling like I'm out of my routine. So in 67 episodes, I don't believe that I have ever, right before I sat down to do the podcast, pulled a card and asked for a final direction on this. Just before I picked up my card deck, I was using The Shaman's Dream by Colette Baron reed I picked up the deck, I opened it up, and I knew that my moving forward into the direction that I want to go for 2023 involves this transition from being a designer who does, you know, the things to bringing that spiritual conversation into how we outfit our spaces. I opened it up and the crossing was laying forward. And I knew that was just a reminder, and I knew that the next card would be the powerful one. Well, you'll see a picture of it if you do go to the web pages. The card that I drew was the Dust Devil, and it's the card of moving out of stagnation. So I just want to share a little bit about this with you. Because I know in the conversations that I've been having across, it seems like every platform from my clients and my design portal to those of you who went through the alignment challenge to the decluttering process that we did in December, all of that chaos keeps coming up and it being the ticket to our path forward. So I'm going to just read you this. The dust devil, embrace the chaos, trust in the process, moving out of stagnation. The presence of the dust devil causes a ruckus. Some people are afraid of this chaotic nature, believing that he comes to intentionally stir things up. The truth is, you can't expect this dream ally to behave, to bring niceness, to be clean. His power is in the mess he creates as he calls for you to engage in the full cyclone of life. He represents two aspects to you now, the winds in your outer life appearing to throw you off course, where you assume the world is coming at or happening to you, and the winds that churn inside you, with the dust devil arising from your dreamscape to help you escape your invisible chains shackling you to a barren desert. Stop asking for things to be perfect. Awkward, messy, conflicted, exuberant, and wild is how you shift. Trust this process. The dust devil knows what you need when you need it. Once things settle, you will see the gleaming jewels awaiting your discovery, the wisdom awaiting integration. So that, my friends, is the message for you today. If you're continuing to clear out and let go of things, know that it gets messy before it gets beautiful. If you need help 
trying to transition into that process of clearing out and letting go. Again, whether it's resentments, whether it's a situation, whether it's relationship or whether it's your physical surroundings, know that there is support, there is divine support that is within your reach. And there is earthly support, whether it comes from Mother Earth herself through, you know, essential oils or, or through an herbal concoction that takes you to the next place. Um, or if it's from color, color can be a tremendous, powerful, tremendously powerful ally in our transition into what we're trying to create. Allow it to come to you and let the let the um, the breadcrumbs, follow the breadcrumbs, notice the breadcrumbs, see that they're there. You're asking for them and they're there. So be sure to follow their path towards what it is that you most deeply want. And then begin to recognize what things are you doing to block your path? What things are you bringing in that are obstructing your vision, obstructing your light, obstructing your path forward, and know that that power is from the root of you. So thank you, my friends, for being here. Have a lovely week, and I am sending you my love and hope that you have a week filled with your connection to divine grace and bring it into your space and honor it. Take care. Thank you for joining me here today on the In Her Eyes podcast. If you heard something today that resonated or helped you move forward on your design vision, please head over to the platform you get your podcasts and subscribe. And it would mean the world to me for you to leave me a rating and review. The complete instructions for doing that are on the In Her Eyes podcast website. That's InHerEyesPodcast.com forward slash review. And while you're there, be sure to grab my bedroom project planning workbook. It's the step-by-step guide to designing a room on any budget that truly supports your needs, your style, your habits, and you or your daughter will love coming home to, whether you're seven or 77. And it's my gift to you for tuning in. And if you have an idea for a podcast episode, something that you're struggling with, or something that you'd like to hear more about, please fill out the form on the bottom of the page. I personally read every single submission. If it's something that I feel confidently that I can speak to and help you with, I'll absolutely create something that will help you out. And if it's something that I feel like someone else can guide you better, I will guide you to that person, I promise. Have a beautiful day, my friend. Until next week. 